The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So, Mari, what's your show about today? Well, today, Lloyd, our show is about making relationships and marriage work. All of us with, you know, Valentine's Day coming up very soon that we start thinking about How do we make a better relationship? How do we have a more loving relationship? And I was reading Radio TV Interview Magazine, and I found this wonderful woman out in Plainview, New York. And let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Karen Sherman. I have her book, right? one of her books right here, Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. It's got this silhouette of this beautiful couple. And let me tell you a little bit about her before we start. That Dr. Karen Sherman is a licensed psychologist in New York. She's had a private practice for 25 years with specialties in relationships, assisting people achieve their greatest potential and stress management. And in her first book, Marriage Mag- Magic, which I have right in front of me, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last, that helps couples revitalize their relationships, which all of us need. You know, unless you're in those first that first year of marriage or that first couple years of a relationship, we do need to revitalize it. Her second book, Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, is an award-winning book that focuses on enabling people to let go of their wired-in automatic response from their past in order to live a life of their choosing. And we're going to talk a little bit about that book, too. Additionally, Karen has been a contributor to a number of other books, uh, The Complete Marriage Counselor, 101 Ways to Improve Your Life, uh, Power of Persistence, Recovering the Self, and I Am Bound and Determined. She's also a speaker giving workshops and teleseminars on these subjects, and she's a frequent guest on national radio, and her expert opinion has appeared in numerous print publications. So you can find out a little bit more about her at www.doctor, that's D-R, Karen Sherman, S-H-E-R-M-A-N.com. And also you can look at our website at conflicthealing.com where you'll see her picture, her bio, um, a JPEG of her book. And of course, we link to her website. So you can find out more about that from her, about her and that. And we're so glad that you joined us, Karen. I'm so glad to be here with you, Mari. So, first of all, let's talk about the, the first book you wrote. And why did you write this, Marriage Magic? I, I noticed in the, in the uh, preface you talk about some challenges in your own marriage. Well, yes. You know, a lot of times I write things because I know them personally. 
I feel they come across more authentically. Um, the other main reason was because, as we know, as you well know, doing the work you're doing, um, the divorce rate is so high, it's still hovering around 50%, maybe a little bit less. We're doing good work. Um, but I was seeing a lot of couples in my practice who were not choosing to get divorced, but they just weren't happy. They were complaining that things were stale, that they had lost, you know, the, the good feelings in their relationship. And it seemed to me that they needed some help in revitalizing, you know, their long-term commitment to each other. So since I was experiencing it myself and I saw it in the people I was working with, I thought it was a good idea to, you know, offer some tools to help them. No, I think it's a great book. And, and, you know, I'm married a long time as well. So I was looking at, I think some of these exercises are really helpful. So let's talk about what, uh, what about um, couples who fight or don't fight? What do you think? Is it better that if they fight or if they don't fight? Well, if you don't fight, then I think there's a problem. You know, I know that that sounds kind of silly, but you're two people. You're bound to have a conflict. And so when couples come in and they say to me that, well, we never fight, to me that's a red flag because it seems to me that it means you don't feel safe enough with each other to express your differences to each other. Now, the trick, of course, is how do you handle your conflicts with each other? And that's a whole other ball of wax because if you don't handle them properly, then you're not really going to be able to express yourself, to express your needs, and to be able to come out of it on the other side actually feeling closer to each other. Exactly. And and conflict, is, as I know, as you know, because that's the kind of work that I do, I'm constantly sitting in the, in the midst or in the center of conflict, that conflict in itself can be really uh, an impetus for renewal because, it, you know, because you're, if I tell my husband that I'm not comfortable with something that he's doing, it's I'm a mirror for him, right? I'm that's, a, right. I, that's an opportunity for him to grow. And the same vice versa. If he says something to me, it's an opportunity for me to look within instead of fighting or, you know, being uh, told that I'm wrong or blaming or guilt and all that stuff. It's, it is an opportunity. So like I have on my website that conflict in and of itself is not bad. It is... How do you deal with it? Like what you're talking about, Karen, Absolutely. if you deal with it effectively, it <clears throat> is really an opportunity for growth. If you deal with it ineffectively, it escalates the conflict and destroys. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Because if you do it properly, then what happens is it allows you to express what you're feeling for the other person to really understand and hear your needs, to be able to really um, get down to the real issue of what's bothering you, not, you know, like, well, you didn't take the garbage out or, you know, you left your socks laying around. And that's generally what comes out, but that's not what's really bothering you, you know. And it's so funny when you mentioned just now, Mari, about, you know, when your husband has an issue, it's an opportunity for you to grow. Because I remember years ago, and, ver and I'm going to be very honest, my husband and I were one of those couples who never used to fight with each other. Mm. And that was part of the reason that I then got into the, you know, this piece of the work that I do now. But I used to come to him and say to him that something was bothering me. And he would say to me, well, you know, that's your problem. And I said, uh-uh, if I have a problem, we have a problem. And when he understood that, that really allowed us to start opening up and listening much better to each other. And that's so important, as you just said. 
Yes. But sometimes it's really hard to do that because people get defensive, don't they? So, you know, how can we, you know, what are some of the tricks that you use to help couples utilize that conflict to bring them closer? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, which is the defensiveness. But part of what happens, and I'm going to speak stereotypically now, a lot of times women, and and a lot of it is biologically based, women are able to have a better pulse on the relationship to know more of what's going on. And they're also able to be more in touch with their emotions. However, what they do, thinking that they're helping the relationship, is they hold things in because they don't want to bother their male counterpart. But what happens is they hold it in, they hold it in, they hold it in, and then eventually they can't hold it in anymore. And then they explode. And when they do that, of course, it's going to come out in such a harsh way that the natural thing is that the guy is going to become defensive. So it would be much better if they brought it up on a more regular basis and brought it up in a way that's not going to make the guy feel as if he's the culprit, he's the villain, he's done something wrong. You know, but there are ways to learn how to do that. Now, the other part, of course, is, because there are two parts to it is, and again, speaking stereotypically, and again, biologically, a man cannot take too much stimulation. So when he feels that something's coming at him, he's going to shut down. And so what happens is he shuts down, and now a woman feels like she's just sort of hanging out there, you know, and not being responded to at all. So what I encourage guys to do is to say something. You know, so many guys feel like, well, if I don't say anything, I can't get into trouble because I'm not saying anything. Even if you say, I don't know what to say, It lets the woman know, okay, you're in here listening to me. You're involved, as opposed to saying nothing. Now, you know, we're just scraping the surface here, but those are a couple of little things that would help people know how to get more involved as opposed to, again, holding everything back, then coming at the guy, and then the guy just sort of shutting down, and now they're just totally disconnected from each other. Right. And and what I see, you know, I see it at the very end. You see it yeah. maybe when it's gotten to a point where they it's going to be either sink or swim. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I get it when they're about when they're sinking, okay? So that's yeah. when I get them. But and and some of the things that I notice and I do notice exactly what you're talking about, but I also notice that the guys hold things in and then they explode and that their emotions seem to be and again we're talking stereotypically but a lot of the times the emotion the only emotion that they're able to really express at least when they get to me is their anger yes yes and and there that's where a lot of the emotions go rather than the hurt that's behind the anger Mm -hmm. the, the feeling of disrespect the feeling of not being understood they they just have this anger that comes out in my mediation and and that's what I see. Of course, you know, I see the, the, the wife as well coming out angry. But um, there's more of a range of emotions that, that appear from the woman's side, at least when they get to me. Well, my experience has been, I don't think you're wrong at all. My experience has been that what a guy does is 
he either shuts down or he barks, which is the anger that yeah. you were talking about. Right. Now, it's so interesting because, you're, like you, people don't call me to say, oh, Karen, you know, things are going great. We'd like to learn how to make them better. Right. They call me when they're <laughs> thinking also, right. okay? Right. Nobody looks for help when things are going, you know, pretty good. Right. Um, but I have found through the years, Mari, that um, I have worked with a lot of guys who come in and say to me that I have an anger control problem. I go from zero to 100, you know, in no time. Yeah. And when I have taught guys to pick up their bodily sensations um, and, and slow it down, they actually can become aware of when they're getting upset and be taught to do things before they get to the point of no return and explode. So in other words, I was able to work with one guy where I would say, that, and I know that this is going to sound like a little weird, but it works all the time. I said to him, how do you know when you have to go to the bathroom? And he said, well, I feel it. I said, okay. So now that you get that, when you start to feel angry, where in your body do you feel it? He said, oh, well, I feel it in my shoulders and I feel it in my neck. Now, of course, for each person it might be a little different. I said, okay. So when you're starting to get upset, can you feel that? Yes. I said, okay. And like on a scale of 1 to 10, can you tell me what number you're at when you feel that. Oh, I can feel that like when I start to, it's like at a three or four. Well, at a three or four, you still have things that you can do. When you get to eight, that becomes like, you know, fail safe. You can't, you can't pull it back at that point. But people can be taught to do things at three or four, like breathing by their words, by, you know, saying, I need to, you know, I need to stop for a moment, where they will not explode. And that really helps from the conflict escalating where people are now screaming at each other or saying things that they don't mean to be saying. And that really is very helpful as well. Karen, that's great. Um, I have something that, that kind of blends with what you say, which I think the two of us could really <laughs> create this this wonderful uh, project here because what I do is I have I teach conflict resolution and one of the things that I do even with my clients is this I have them do similar to what you do I have them actually before we get into a real conflict mm -hmm. I'll have them close their eyes and remember a time when they got really really angry Mm -hmm. and close their eyes and relive that and then to feel it in their body and not to open their eyes until they can tell me where they feel it. And sometimes they'll say it's in my shoulder. Some th sometimes they'll say it's like a fire in my face. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they'll say it's like someone stuck my solar plexus with a knife. Mm -hmm. And ev everybody, like you were saying, everybody has a different place that they feel that anger and they will normally feel it in the same place every time. Oh, yes, yes. And, and so, you know, yeah. So I, I, was, I love it, Mari, because most people, and again, I'm going to be stereotypical here, in your profession wouldn't do the kind of work you're doing. And in my second book, it's about rewiring your brain from old childhood patterns. And what do I use? Visualizations like you're speaking about. I right. love it. <laughs> well, then, then to get back to the feeling thing that you're talking about, because people yeah. are not really 
sometimes women, but mostly, like you said, men have more of a difficulty getting in touch with those feelings. So then the next step I have them do is, okay, so if you feel like someone put a knife in your belly, what could you visually and, you know, kinesthetically feel to make it reverse? So uh, then I tell them, okay, go back, close your eyes again. Now do this. Go back and get back in that moment and now pull out the knife mm-hmm. and breathe into it mm-hmm. so that there's no blood, okay? I love it. I love or, it. Or just imagine whatever it is, you tell us what you imagined. Like if it was the tightening in the shoulders, maybe just just imagine just a, um, a cool breeze soothing mm-hmm. that or whatever mm-hmm. it is that they decide in their own mind would reverse it. Yes, and I then, love it. And yeah. then they practice doing that mm-hmm. with something that makes them angry so that they can literally be conscious and, and make that reversal because yes. because they need to do something. Like you said, breathing into that, breathing into that solar plexus or those shoulders, yes. doing and, something. And, yeah. And if I may tag on that, a lot of the conflicts that couples have is not really because of a conflict that they are having. And here's what I mean by that we often get triggered by our mate, but it's really something from our past and we don't even know it. Yes. And so using this kind of stuff you're doing and the kind of stuff I'm doing, it can help us to bring that person back to what the real source is and help them to relieve it so that they are not reacting in the present day to things that really happened in the past. I have so many couples that I work with where initially when they come in, it looks as if they are having an issue between the two of them, but it's really because of something from the past. Just last week I was working with a couple, and he kept getting very upset about something that was going on with his wife, and there was just something in the way he was talking about it. You know, we're both doing this for a long time, that my sense was there was something more to it. And as we got into it a little bit more, he kept talking about the fact that when she comes home, the way she yells, and she kept saying, I don't yell like that. Anyway, we went into it a little bit more. Long story short, it turned out that the way she yelled in his perception was exactly the way his father used to yell Mm. when he was a little boy. Right. And so... He is in his marriage reacting to her, thinking it's really her that he's reacting to, but it's not. And so, you know, relationships are so complicated, and there's so many different ways in which we can have these conflicts. And if you don't know how to deconstruct them or understand them and work with them, it really can hurt your relationship. And yet, there's so many ways that you can learn through the kind of work you do, which I happen, again, I'm, I'm just so impressed that as a lawyer mediator that you do this, I think it's wonderful, and the kind of work that I do, where couples don't have to get into this, that they can really have long-term relationships that are healthy and intimate and connected. Yes, and it's, it's, it's hard for people when they're in the midst of something to recognize what this is really coming from. You know, I know even with my own husband, um, sometimes I'll say something to him and 
he will hear it entirely different from the way I said it. Mm-hmm. In other words, he will come up with a conclusion that I think that um, because I ask him to do something, he says, oh, you must think that I'm stupid, you mm-hmm. know, and it, because I would do that anyway. And it, it's it has no it's so far from what I was thinking. Right. Do you know what I mean? So I right. know that it isn't really about me, but but it's hard because the perception is different. You know, what I'm sending is different from what's being received. Right. Right. And, but communication and, can go um, off either at the sending end or the receiving end. Yes. And again, it is our you know, job and our hope that we can help couples learn how to process that, you know, so that they can communicate in a way where they, they're speaking the same language. I don't know about you, but I so often feel like my job is that of a translator. Yes. Right? An interpreter, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I know. So I'll, I'll say something to a client, and then the client will say something to me, and I'll say, okay, this is what I just heard you say. Right. And then the other party will say, that isn't what, what he said or she said. Right. And I said, but this, I'm repeating exactly. So let me say it, say it again to me and let me see if I understand it. And, or then I'll say to the other party, what did your partner just say? Right. And it's sometimes it's so (laughs) left field. I go, well, wait a minute, say this again and say it again, because they're, they're hearing something different than what is being said. Right. And but I you think know, that's what, what makes it really tough. Yeah, people, but you know, what you're really describing is active listening. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody can, you know, let's say you and I are speaking, and you say something to me, and I say, okay, this is what I think I heard you say. Is that correct? Right. But the problem, of course, is, you know, that in a couple, there's emotions going. And so as I'm listening to you, I'm not really listening to you. My own emotions are getting in the way. Um, you know, so it's really important that after a couple has a conflict, because let's be honest, when you're in the middle of a conflict, chances are the emotions are flying high. You're not going to be able to really, you know, stay centered and grounded and, and do all this great work. But you can do repair work and you can process it. And, and then in my mind, there's lots of ways of, you know, knowing about when is the right time to do it and what's the right environment and such. Um, and then you go back over it and you figure out, like, okay, where did we miscommunicate? Where did we misunderstand each other? And then it all comes together, and that becomes very healing. Yes, yes. And and the more that we kind of go within and figure out what part of it is us, right. the more that when when things do start to escalate, it's like when you're talking <laughs> about when it's like at a level three or four and not a level eight or nine yet, right. that then you can say, well, wait a minute, what are we doing here? Let's Let's slow down here and trying to be conscious. And, you know, you and I, because this is our work, I mean, we we try and do that ourselves, and we're not always successful. Well, I'm not always 100% oh. successful either. You know, if I'm tired or if something right. just really set me off, but um, but at least if we can be conscious about it. And, mm-hmm. and that's what most people um, in a relationship that I see are totally unconscious. Yes, yes. I would say that they're not being mindful, but we're saying the exact same thing. Right, right. Yes. 
Which reminds me about your other book. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what your other book is, Mindfulness and the Art of Choice. I think that's, uh, that, that clicks with me as well. Well, my, um, my, again, written from my own experience, I had gone through a very difficult personal experience. And um, from that experience, I realized that a lot of what I was doing in my own life was really just repeating patterns from my childhood, um, you know, me and, like, the entire world. So I had learned a lot of wonderful tools from a therapist, and they were tremendously helpful to me, started using them in my practice, saw that they were helpful to people, which basically was learning how to bring up these um, issues from the past vis-a-vis the body through the feeling of it in your body, because when you go just to talk therapy, you gain insight, you gain knowledge and awareness, but then you go back out in the real world and something happens and you still get triggered, you still react. So once I saw how useful it was, I felt that I needed to, you know, write a book about it. Um, And then after I wrote the first book, I realized that there was a way to also adapt these techniques for couples, because as I said a little while ago, so many times within a couple, you are having a reaction that is really negatively impacting your relationship, and it's not even really from your spouse. It looks like it's from your spouse, but it's really because you're bringing in and reacting to things from your past, and you don't even realize it. So um, we updated the book put in a chapter on relationships along with a couple of other additions. Um, and that is basically about tools to, um, you know, sort of get past your past, to rewire your brain. And that is so critical that we become rewired. You know, sometimes I think to myself, oh, if I could only, you know, take out this, this disc and put in a new one. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it isn't always that easy. But I think like you're talking about being mindful, being conscious, um, it's very helpful <coughs> to have a third party when you're in a conflict uh, because of the fact that you don't see the forest through the trees. And, and that's one of the things that's a beauty about having a counselor to help you, being in therapy, being in mediation, because then it becomes the third party is not entrenched in those emotions. Right, right. Your emotions, as far as I'm concerned, your emotions are always going to override clear thinking. You know, I call them your emotion goggles. Um, And so you're not going to be clear thinking. And it is much easier if you've got somebody who's objective and can look at it you know, without those emotional reactions. We don't have a lot of time, but I I thought maybe you could talk about some of the phrases to never use because we're sitting here on the campus. People are in loving relationships. They're in marriages, whatever. And I think that it applies whether you're married or you're just in a a loving relationship. What are some of the phrases that you should never use? Well... You know, I think people have to be very mindful of how they speak with each other yes. and not be disrespectful. You know, everybody knows that you, there are certain, like, you know, bad words you shouldn't say to each other. But people don't realize that when you say things like, you know, oh, you're so lazy or what's wrong with you, that those are put-downs yes. and make people feel really bad about themselves. So those are things that you should never be saying to each other. 
Um, you don't want to be using words like always or never because those are generalizations. And, and now I'm about to say nothing, which is a big generalization, <laughs> is ever going to be always or never. Um, you don't want to um, be going back and, and bringing up, you know, things from the past because whatever it is you're discussing, you know, discuss the topic that you're on. Once you start bringing in a whole bunch of other things, uh, to whatever it is you're arguing about, then, you know, you're sort of just really um, washing down or or uh, watering down the point that you're making. we got to uh, stay in the present, don't we? But, you know, we are, ju- we are out of time. So ah. I just want to mention your book again, Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. And if you would just give your website, and then we have to go. Yes, it's uh, Dr. Karen... Sherman, and I just want to say I've got a great tool that people can use to learn all about the stuff about conflict. So that's at the site for them to see. Okay, thank you so much, and we will talk to you again soon. And keep up the great work, Karen. Thank you, Mary. You as well. Okay, you've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. for Prescriptions for Healing Conflict and write us emails at conflicthealing.com. And think about peace in this new year. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's about trust. Yeah, yeah. It's about faith. It's about trust. expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.